Welcome to the Raise Podcast. I'm Carol Barwick. We're here to raise your confidence and inspire your creativity. Each episode, we will have a different guest who will be discussing our Raise Word. The Raise Word is a word that will encourage you or empower you and at times inspire you to explore the word a little more for yourself. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Raise podcast. I'm Carol Barwick. Uh, On season three, we've had some amazing words so far, and I'm really excited about the word this morning because the word is feel. We've got a really great guest, Emma Lightbaum, and she's going to be talking to us all about fashion and modeling and interesting things that we haven't really touched on the podcast yet. But before we do that, Emma, what does the word feel mean to you? So feel has so many different meanings for me. I'm very much somebody who always goes by my gut feeling. How things feel is always really, really important in how I make any decision in life. Um, But also there is the really kind of obvious meaning of feel of how things feel when we touch them. As women, we are particularly prone to be more tactile and so there are statistics about how women shop more based on feel than um instant appearance of something I know when I shop I have to touch everything yeah and men don't seem to do that as much as women apparently according to research it's women who the feel of something is really important I've bought some incredibly beautiful things online tried them on and gone oh no I can't wear this because something feels wrong (laughs) there's some feeling in there that isn't quite right so feel is a very used word in my life it's something that's always been really important to me whether that is the very tactile nature of how something feels or the gut instinct of how I react to something and how something feels to me love that yeah my husband always tells me off because I can't help it wherever I go in the shops if there's clothes I have to have to feel them because why wouldn't you, particularly with uh, materials like velvet or satin? I mean, that's what they're there for, isn't it? They're literally saying, touch me, feel me. You can't not do it. Um, but interesting what you say about men maybe not um, not needing that, that um, sensation of the feel of fabric so much. I think my son really likes the fabric as well, but that's probably my fault. <laughs> my son was the same he as a baby always used to have these like muslin cloth blankets and the little labels on the side he loved the feel of those he would stroke his face with them and that's the only way we could get him to sleep as a baby by him having his face stroked by one of these little polyester labels stitched onto the side of one of these but they're kind of satiny aren't they they're shiny So they and and because I think also sometimes, particularly for babies and children, if it's little and it's kind of it's almost like cute and it it just it's easy. (laughs) People, listeners, I'm doing it again. I'm doing actions. I'm rubbing the side of my face in a little (laughs) cute way. I do it every time, Emma. I'm I'm like I'm on a podcast. Nobody can see me do it. He Unlike used you. to use them until oblivion. He used to fray them until they were literally nothing. There would just be threads left of them. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I am so excited about all that we're going to talk about today because you have got such um, an understanding of fabric and texture and things like that because this is your world, isn't it? Tell us a little bit about the world that you're in now. Um, and also the world that you've been in in the past because it's fascinating. So currently I work as a fashion stylist and presenter um, but I have worked in the fashion industry my entire career (laughs) and it was completely unintentional. (laughs) So I have been in this industry now for 24 years Um, But I always, at school, I always knew I wanted to do something creative. But I remember going and chatting to the careers advisor. And it was in those days where creative careers weren't particularly pushed. Uh, They gave me the advice that I could be a nurse. 
I'm not a horrible person, but I'm also not a very sympathetic person. So um, and being a nurse was possibly the worst option they could have suggested <laughs> to me. <laughs> because I'm very much a person who just gets on with things. I'm ill, I get on with it. I've hurt myself, I just get on with it. And so that mentality doesn't translate to other people in a nice yeah. bedside manner. So I would be like, what, you've got a bit of a cold? Pull yourself together, you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was never going to make a great nurse. So when I left school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I took a year off. I didn't go to college. I took a year out first and just worked just to try and figure out who I was, what I wanted to do. I think it's so much pressure and so difficult to ask 16-year-olds, 18-year-olds, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? What do you want your career to be? I think it's... Yeah madness that we do this um and so I then went back to college realizing that I quite liked the idea of working in television very creative always making things I loved art I loved crafts I loved anything that was a creative endeavor and so at college I did media which was really fun we made like little tv programs and radio shows and we studied films and it was brilliant and I had done work experience for BBC I was very, very lucky in that I applied to do work experience for them. And for every work experience place, I believe there were thousands of applicants. There was something crazy like 5,000 applicants for every place. And so I've been very lucky to get a place doing work experience for them. And basically, I just went for it. I knew that they would give us terrible things to do and the worst boring things to do. But my yeah. mentality was if I can work really hard and get through the boring things, eventually they have to give me something good to do if I just keep asking them for things to do. <laughs> yeah. So while yeah. the other work experience people were quite happy to sit there doing these very monotonous tasks complaining, I would race through mine and constantly be going over to the team going, what can I do? Is there anything else I can do? Can I make anybody a cup of tea? Can I do this? Can I do that? Which then meant they gave me more and more things to do. Yeah. By the end yeah. of my work experience, they were allowing me to book guests. I was doing logistics, production for them. I was booking locations. I was allowed to come out on the shoots. There was loads of stuff they let me do, which was amazing. And then they offered me a job for when I finished college to go back as a runner. In the meantime, I go back to college and my stepmom had entered me into a modeling competition. Now, I am very ginger and I was very pale and I've always been kind of skinny um, and I wasn't a popular girl in school. I was kind of picked on for being the ginger, like skinny one who had no boobs. Everyone else had developed and I was still very much a flat chest. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of entering this modeling competition was horrendous. Mm -hmm. But I was like, do you know what? Everything's an experience. I'm going to go along. And all the other girls don't like strutted up and down the catwalk they were blonde and beautiful and very tall and I basically marched with a face like thunder <laughs> down to the end turned around or walked back again um and from that I ended up being scouted so wow. college, I started doing bits of modeling and by the time I got to the end of college I was doing so much modeling I was like am I really going to go be a runner at BBC for like six thousand pounds a year or should I just see where this takes me and so I modeled for 17 years. Wow. Um, I worked all over the world doing all sorts of different jobs. I did a lot of TV commercials and um, ad campaigns. I was in a couple of random films just as when they needed models in the background and things. Um, and so, yeah, it was an incredible career that was really unexpected. Had you have asked me as a teenager, do you want to be a model? The answer would have been, look at me. I'm never going to be a model. Wow. Um, but I think that's what good model. So the models who, the people who have been told their entire life, you're beautiful, you're really pretty, you should be a model. Yeah. I think come into the industry with an expectation that everything's going to be easy and it's going to be handed to them. Yeah. And I think the ones who get scouted or just fall into it don't have that expectation. You work hard to get every job that you get. Yes. And so when you're then on set, you work really hard. So yeah, I think I was a successful model because it was an unexpected choice for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've um, I've been going back over um, Britain and Ireland's next top model. I've been looking at all the retro episodes and really binging them. And um, and it is what you said about the girls that 
are beautiful and you can just see that they're facially they've got all the features already um and then they get really surprised when they get booted out quickly because they think that they don't they don't really need to do much they're already the finished kind of article um and it's very obvious that um that isn't what modeling is at all is it it's a real head to toe and brain and creativity and all of those things all together um and that's what makes them um, makes a success it seems from what from what I can see I agree and it's also a resilience thing I had gone through all of my teenage years being like having little bits of bullying and being picked on and things so I was quite used to having a very thick skin I didn't let those things bother me so then I went into an industry where clients would say stupid horrible things to your face you would go to 10, 20 castings in a day and only book one of them. If you were lucky, you would mm. book one of them. And so I had a very thick skin. I was very resilient going into the industry because I'd never been pandered to of people saying to me, you should be a model, you should be a model. It's very emotionally challenging for people who've always been told you're really beautiful, you should be a model to then take that level of rejection and criticism that that industry contains. But then that's where the feelings come in, isn't it? Because completely. Yeah, because if at uh, I think you said 15 or 16, you were told that um, the career that you needed to be was a nurse and you took you married up the the um, experience of bullying and things like that. And you lost your confidence. You may well have gone down a very different road um, if you'd really like taken on board all of the feelings that you could have had but it sounds like because of your resilience those feelings were made to work for you and not against you and I think that's an incredibly powerful thing because I think for a lot of people we allow our feelings to dictate control and work against us and um and that can that can really limit a lot of of what people are wanting to do and should be doing um that whole idea of limiting beliefs has got to come from feelings to a certain extent and how you feel and then whether you're going to let those feelings kind of control you um and even the feeling that you had when your aunt put you in for modeling in the first place you know you could have said no i'm i'm not i'm not doing it I, you know i've got a, a perfectly good um, kind of internship at the BBC. That's what I'm going to do, which was great. I mean, it sounds like an amazing internship at the BBC. <laughs> it wasn't like um, you were doing a job that you really didn't enjoy. Um, I was going to say stacking shelves at Asda, but there are a lot of people that really enjoy that and it's the perfect job for them. So that's by no means a, a you know, a de degrading thing. Um, but yeah, you could have stayed there and just said, well, I don't feel like a model, so I'm not going to do it. But again, you, as you said, I think uh, I'm trying to think of the words that you used. Every every experience is a, can you remember what you said? It was really good. I can't remember, but it is, it's basically, I think every experience is about a learning opportunity. Yeah. And it's a phrase that I only came into later in life, but it's yeah. that you never fail, you only learn. You win or you learn. And so I think, within me throughout my entire life has been that idea of you never fail at anything you either win and you succeed or you learn something from it and I think that's why I've always been open to just trying new things and trying new experiences so when I came into styling I hadn't been styling for very long and I'd only done maybe a handful of shoots I'd not really assisted anyone but because I'd been on set for so many years yeah. I just picked up things along the way and yeah. then it was really early on in my styling career I had seen that a production company a tv production company was looking for a fashion presenter for sky showbiz for a series for them and I thought I'm just going to apply I'm just going to see I you know I've probably not got the right experience but I've been on camera a lot and I know what I'm talking about when it comes to fashion I'm sure this will be fine and it was the idea of, I'm just going to try and I'll either win and I'll get the job or 
I won't get the job, but I'll have learned something from the process. And so I applied for this job and I ended up getting that. And I did that for three months with them when I was highly inexperienced in styling, to be really honest. And I'd done little bits of presenting, but by no means anything to this level. But it was just a gut feeling. I thought that's the thing that I really want to do. I feel that's where I'm going to be really comfortable. And it turned out that I was right because so many of my model um, friends at the time were moving out of modeling and maybe going into acting right and I never wanted to be an actress lots of people used to ask me that oh do you do acting are you going into acting because that's a quite a common progression for a model's career they move into acting yeah and I was just like well no I just want to be myself for modeling you're never yourself you're always this projected idea of whatever the client has in mind or that the brief is you're always playing a character even though you're not actually speaking or you're not acting, you kind of are yeah. on set playing a character. And so when I came out of it, I was very much like, I just actually want to be myself. I don't want to be an actor being somebody else. I just want to be able to say the silly things that pop up in my mind and that then fall out of my mouth and just see how that goes. And that's why I ended up moving much more into presenting um, rather than acting, but I love it. And it is, it's the feel it really is about the feel it's that when I am doing that I feel really comfortable I'm never nervous I never feel anxious about it I'm only ever excited by being on camera presenting and especially now because I do a lot of live television which people always ask me like you're not nervous doing live television I'm like no it just feels completely normal I just feel that I should be there doing that thing it doesn't feel uncomfortable or it's just something that I do yeah yeah I mean I, I feel the same about podcasting it is just something that I love doing and it it just kind of fills you with joy doesn't it when you're doing something that you're really enjoying doing um but dining back a little bit to when you were at the BBC and you had your particular list of jobs that you were doing and then you went and did the extra stuff did you feel confident to do that or was that something you had to push yourself to do in that particular situation I felt more than capable of doing it because the things that they were doing were very logistics based so it was all about organization and I have always been a very organized efficient person it's just who I am and it's only recently I read a book and I realized why I am the way that I am so think of our as they might be uh, viewed are also our super strengths and for me I can be quite an anxious person and I am very much an overthinker but I think that allows me to work at a very high level of doing multiple things at once. I am a great multitasker. I'm super efficient because I overthink everything. I never miss a detail. I'm always on it. Um, So I think although there are moments when I have to deal with feeling super anxious and really like highly strung about things, I know overall I would never give up those feelings because I would not have my super skills of being highly efficient, super organized and a multitasker. See, this is absolutely fascinating because I'm just imagining talking to somebody else in a completely different situation and they're saying, I'm anxious and I'm overthinking everything and I'm worried about getting all the little details wrong. And that is so different to I'm anxious and I'm an overthinker and I'm worried about getting all the little details details wrong. And that means that actually I do everything well and right. It's that difference, Emma. It's not just the way that you literally presenting, but it's the whole kind of circumstance and the experience behind it. And I wonder for those people listening today who know that they have those as we call them weaknesses how how just sitting up straight and thinking about the experiences that you have had that are positive 
can make them become super strengths. I, I find it fascinating. And again, going back to feelings, the feeling of being anxious and an overthinker for some people will be absolutely um, I can't, debilitating. We'll just wreck them, ruin them. Okay, so we were talking about um, how you can allow your feelings to dictate the way that your life is going to go or the way that you're going to kind of take control of them and do something more with your life. Tell us a little bit about how that has been working for you. So I think this is something that I have learned over time. I don't think that this is necessarily something that I was born with. I'm very much somebody who takes things in little steps and it's about growth personal growth and learning about yourself and the things that you need and the things that you find acceptable and that you can cope with and moving forward a little bit at a time um so I try and keep in control of my feelings but I never try and water them down so you feel what you feel emotionally we all have good days and we have bad days and we have days when we're on top of the world and nothing can touch us and, and other days where our day is ruined because somebody cut us up in the car on the school run and I think it's about recognizing those feelings and figuring out why they're affecting you in that way for me it might be somebody cut me up on the school run and then it's ruined my morning but actually that isn't the root cause of it it might be that I slept really badly the night before or it might be that I'd had a disagreement with somebody the day before and then it was you know uh, manifesting itself in the fact that this random stranger cut me up and they've forgotten about it they have no idea about it so why I'm thinking about it hours later is yeah. completely pointless so it is very much about for me trying to work on the fact that I can't control how other people behave or how other people feel I can only control how I behave, how I feel and how I react to things. And it's something that I talk to my son about all the time. Like you can't control how other people behave. You can only control how you react. And I think if you can teach yourself by repetition to react in a more positive way, you will generally be a happier person. You will deal with things in a better way. You will deal with things in a way without being furious. And without losing your temper about something or without something emotionally affecting you for weeks and weeks on end. I think part of that is because I'm such an overthinker, I can quite happily go into a place of replaying every interaction that I've had with pretty much every human I've ever met <laughs> and mortifying myself about the things that I've said or the things I've done or when I haven't reacted in the best way. You know, there's always that thing when you're trying to get to sleep at night and then your brain goes, oh, yeah. remember this time when you really embarrassed yourself? Let's <laughs> play that over and over. And so I think because I can very easily go into that place, for me, it's about learning to monitor and deal with my feelings in a more productive and positive way than allowing myself to fester in, you know, the replays of the argument that I had six years ago with somebody that I've never seen since. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting what you're talking about with monitoring feelings, though, because that can take, I mean, you're either, I think you're either really skilled at that, or it takes quite a lot of energy, and almost, it's that difference between overthinking and thinking for a means to an end. So you're kind of thinking about your reaction to it so that it doesn't happen again, rather than thinking about your reaction to it and thinking about your reaction to it and then shaming yourself for your reaction to it. And um, it's the different pathways, isn't it, that um, that feelings can, can lead to, I think. Um, when you were modelling or when you are on screen, are you aware of your feelings at that point? Yes, I think so, because it's not something that I necessarily, I don't think you ever necessarily detach yourself from. So, you know, there are days where I might be feeling like I'm having a particularly bad day, but 
then when I go on screen, you will never see that because then I put on my professional face yeah. and I do my job. But I think that's the exact same for the majority of people. Yeah. There is always that thing of you never know what's really going on in somebody's life because we're all very good at putting on these masks and putting on our professional faces um, so that people don't see the interior. Um, I do think my mum will always say that my face really does give me away. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I'm always the best at hiding my expressions when, it, you know, especially if something's said to you and my face will then say it all as to how I feel about that comment. Hence um, possibly not being a nurse. <laughs> exactly, exactly why it's a very good reason for me not to be a nurse. Because somebody would be telling me something and I'd be like, what are you on about? It's fine. fine. Oh, put a plaster on it. Um, so, yeah, I do think I'm aware of my feelings at all times, as I think we all are. But I do think there are moments where you should check in with yourself every day and go, actually, how do I feel? How do I feel about this? Because I think sometimes a situation will occur and it's very easy to go with your instant first emotion, but that might not be genuinely how you feel about the situation. Yeah. So for example, I was offered an audition for a job and initially I was very excited because all I could think about was the kind of success and glory of getting this job. But then I thought, right, no, actually, I'm going to have a sit and think about this and I'm going to really check in with myself. Do I want this job or is it just the excitement and the flattery of being offered the audition? And I thought, I don't want this job. This job is not the right thing for me. It's not something that I want to do. It's not where I want to position myself. And so I said, oh, I'm really grateful. Thanks very much for offering me the audition. But it's not something that I think is suitable for me. It's not the right thing for me. But the initial reaction was one of excitement and flattery and oh my gosh this will be a great massive thing um but actually in reality when I took a step back and really looked at my feelings they were very different so how good are you at that self-care around feelings then because you said about checking in every day is that something that you do is that a practice that you have it is so for goodness I think it must be going on 12 if not 13 years now every single night before I go to bed I have a section in the notes on my phone and I write down five things that I am grateful for and that really allows me to assess my day and how I felt during that day and it really highlights what the best things were and there are days when I struggle when I go right okay my standard two my husband, my child, they're always top of the list. Um, but then I get to the next three things and I'm like, this day was awful. There's nothing to be grateful for. Mm. But I force myself. I go, no, there is. There's things in there, within there, that were good. Even on the worst days, there were things in there that were still really good. And they range from being major things to absolutely minor things. You know, it could be I took the dog for a walk and we saw the foxes brilliant love the foxes love going taking my dog out that could be one of my things that I'm most grateful for that day other days it might be you know a client I've been chasing for three months has finally paid their invoice <laughs> or you know those it's, it really does vary but it's something that I've done for years and years and years and I think it's such a small act but I think that has impacted who I am as a person in a huge way I'm loving this conversation around feelings with Emma. If you feel like the Race podcast is something that you want to share with other people, then please do. You could also pop us a five-star rating on Spotify or your favourite podcast platform. Back to the episode. So we've talked a lot about feelings and modelling. Tell us a little bit about the styling side of what you do now and all the clothes and the fashion, because I've been listening to uh, your Off The Hanger um, YouTube podcast for a little while now, and um, I'm loving it. So tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. So styling, again, was something that I sort of fell into. I don't seem great at making career decisions. I seem to fall into things and go, oh, this seems fun. I'm like <laughs> the sort of magpie that you give them a shiny trinket and they just follow it. Mm-hmm. Um, so styling happened because a friend of mine who was an incredible stylist who worked with my husband, who's a photographer, uh, she got headhunted and moved out to Dubai. And so he was then left without his most trusted stylist and kept asking me could I put bits of shoots together and so then other photographer friends of mine were then saying hang on a minute are you styling are you styling for James that you're not styling for me hang on I've got a job that I could book you for so I started getting more and more and more styling work and I was kind of coming to an end of what I wanted to do with my modeling career it had got to the point where bluntly I was bored of not having an opinion um because as a very creative person it's very difficult on set when you can see things are going wrong you know how to change it but nobody wants your opinion because you're there to stand there and look pretty not to have a voice yeah and quite often the industry can work in that way people don't want to hear your opinion as a model they literally just want you to stand there and do your job so I wanted to have an opinion I wanted to be able to creatively move the shoots in certain directions and uh styling was just something that came very easily to me and I was very lucky early on to build a really good client base and so I started off by doing just shoots throughout my career I've also done little bits of personal styling workshops and talks which I think is really interesting and one of the um my favorite things I've done is volunteering for an incredible charity uh, that's called Suited and Booted and mm-hmm. they're based in London and they provide uh, interview clothing to men who are long-term unemployed, have um, mental health problems, who have maybe been released from prison, um, for whatever reason are not in the world of work and aren't able to provide suitable clothing for themselves to go to job interviews. So they come and have an appointment and we style them up. They, the charity are uh, donated loads and loads of clothes and seating from brands, from individuals. And so they come, we have a lovely little chat with them and then we style them up in a suit. And it's incredibly rewarding because this is a real thing about feel. So a lot of these people come in feeling very unconfident. They don't rate their chances of getting this job. They don't think they're going to get to work. And that's all that they want to do. They want to build a better life for themselves and for their families. And so they come into the charity. We get them suited and booted, as the name suggests. Mm -hmm. And that moment when you show them the mirror and they look in the mirror at themselves, you feel what they feel. And some of them are so overwhelmed. There's been um, gentlemen who like had tears in their eyes. There's people who are just so overwhelmed in what they look like because for many of them, it's the first time they've ever worn a suit. They've never mm. had a suit on yeah, before. Yeah, so yeah. to suddenly be in this suit, they feel incredible. And the confidence level that this brings them is unbelievable. And so I know that people feel quite often that fashion is very fickle and it's a very superficial thing. But honestly, this is a real root of confidence and really can change how you feel about yourself and how you project yourself to the world. That is absolutely wonderful. Um, I really struggle. I know you do um, a lot of visual uh, podcasting and YouTubing, and I know sometimes I sound like I'm not um, responding, but you can see that I'm absolutely beaming through this uh, interview, <laughs> and that is amazing. I'm surprised that I'm not uh, having a bit of a cry, to be honest, because that, yeah, that that's just another level, isn't it? And it is for those men the the outward appearance that has changed, but then it's done all that amazing, beautiful, magical work inside um and that's going to last forever because when they take the suit off they've still got all of that confidence and those feelings that they had when they first looked in the mirror and that's just invaluable isn't it that's amazing it is and it's the same with clients that I've done um little bits of personal styling work for 
I've had people who uh, have been so down on themselves and felt so negatively about themselves. And I think body image is such a huge, huge thing. And we are so done by the media. I think it's really difficult, particularly for women. And I suppose men more now with Instagram and that whole fitness culture and the idea that every you know man's got to have a six pack and all the rest of it. We, we've all just got these incredible bodies that do amazing things every day without even thinking about it. It blows my mind that my body just breathes whilst I'm like doing other things. I don't think about it. It just does it. It processes all the food. It pumps blood around my body. It's doing amazing things. And that yet so many of us look in the mirror and all we can see is, oh, well, my arms look a bit fat or I wish my thighs weren't quite as big. No, celebrate your amazing body. And I think fashion is there to complement our bodies. It's not something that should be making us feel bad. Regardless of anybody's age or size, they deserve to feel fabulous in their clothes because I think there's some crazy statistic, like somebody has made a judgment on you based on your appearance within the first two or three seconds of looking at you Mm. before you've opened your mouth, before they know a single thing about who you are, they have made a judgment on you based on what you're wearing and why shouldn't that judgment be positive why shouldn't you be putting a message out into the world that is positive and confident so many people are just dressed you know head to turn black I know I'm head to turn black today but you know yeah but <laughs> well, you're rocking black Emma you're it's absolutely fine, rocking it. <laughs> I'm not saying there's a bad thing with wearing black <laughs> however I think you know there's people who wear black because they think that it's them in it's going to disguise them and then no one will look at them that's not the way to feel confident the way to feel confident is actually throw on that really bold bright color or that really statement print because I promise you you will get a lot more people saying positive things about you by standing out than trying to fade away now that's really interesting because I know a lot of people that would think oh no if I put on something really bold or sassy I'm going to get laughed at or I'm going to get negative comments. And I think that will often go back to past experiences and, and things like that. And I guess that's when you you need to kind of be able to put a bit of a stop to the feelings and trust in the next experience that you're going to have. So rather than thinking, if I wear this, this is going to happen because it happened last time thinking, well, I'm going to wear this because I chuffing love it and I look a million dollars in it and um, I don't care what people say, but that's difficult, isn't it? I think there's a bit of a, it, an art to that. It is. It is very difficult. I think realising that nobody else's opinion matters other than your own is a difficult place to get to. Yeah. But once you're there, you, you're on the, you know, you're on the golden side. That is the best place to be. I will wear whatever I want to wear, regardless of what anybody else thinks, whether that's my husband, who I love dearly, whose opinion is extremely important to me. But if I put something on and he goes, oh, I'm not really keen on that, I'd be like, well, still wearing it because I love it. Yeah. Yeah. My genuine comeback to most people is, well, that's okay. I'm not asking you to wear it. Yeah. If somebody says anything negative, I just go, but that's okay. I'm not asking you to wear it. I'm wearing it because I love it. Yeah. I think also realizing that the statistics that, that you said about the, the, uh, within three seconds, the judgments made for a lot of people, they're not thinking what you're wearing at all. They're thinking about what they're having for tea. They're thinking about what their, you know, boyfriend did to them earlier on and how could he do that? They're thinking about what's on TV they're not thinking about actually what you're wearing and it's our perception and our feeling that if I put this on other people are going to think that that maybe brings that on a little bit that actually I think isn't there something that says um what other people think is none of your business (laughs) completely completely I often have this thing of nobody cares yeah nobody cares if I ask somebody who I met six months ago, can they tell me what I was wearing? They probably can't, but they can tell them, they'll be able to tell me how I made them feel, 
yeah. the conversation that we had. Yes. And that's hugely more important. It's not about how my clothes make you feel. It's about how my clothes make me feel. And then in turn, if I feel fabulous in them, I'm going to be a happier, chattier, more confident person, which in turn makes other people feel really good. And then that's what they remember of me. They might remember that I was wearing some bold, bright print, you know, but they will genuinely remember, oh, she was really nice. She was really funny. We had a really good laugh. She's like the most Northern person I've ever spoken to. It's <laughs> one of those things that will be the lasting memory of me, not the fact that I was wearing a green polka dot dress. Yeah. And it's so important to remember that, isn't it? And uh, yeah, that, that it is, it's about how we make people feel rather than what we wear. Thinking about that, though, are there certain clothes that make you feel a certain way? Because I know I wear jeans all the time because I kind of don't have to think about it at all. Um, but there are certain things where if I put them on, I do have a heightened sense of kind of joy, of silliness. My husband always says he knows it's going to be an interesting day if I put my hair in bunches or space buns. It's like, yeah, you're you're kind of a bit more hyper than normal. Um, have you got kind of clothing or in your experience, have you seen people really change kind of like the suited or booted experience, but something a bit different because of their clothes? Completely. This is a huge, huge thing. So one of my personal wand is a red lip if you see me in a red with a red lip I am my most confident person okay it is the thing that gives me the most confidence I can be wearing anything and if I have a red lip on I am invincible I call it my superhero cape so if I mean business if I need to feel that extra boost of confidence if I'm doing a talk to hundreds of people or presenting a live event and I need to feel really confident you can guarantee there will be a red lip because I feel my most confident with a red lip. I think for some people, it can be a blazer. There are lots of ladies that I know who, if they've got an interview, a big meeting, a first date where they want to feel super confident and empowered, their go-to piece is a blazer. Mm -hmm. um, I love a blazer. I think for me, I'm very much a dress wearer and I growing up and through my kind of teens nobody really wore dresses it wasn't something that we really wore we everybody was always you know in jeans if you were going out on a night out you might wear a dress but they were never really in my daytime wardrobe yeah. and so when I decided that I no longer cared what anybody thought I was just going to wear the things that I really liked dresses were the thing that I really went to and I I'm probably, uh, you know, an 80% everyday dress wearer. You know, I've always got a dress on. And some of them, I think people look at and think, is that a daytime dress? I don't really care. It's the <laughs> dress that I'm wearing and it's during the day. Therefore, in my world, it's a daytime dress. And I think I am at such extremes on the school run of either turning <laughs> up in some fabulous big swooshy dress in some bold colour and print or I'm there in my running gear because I've walked into school to then run home. I am such one extreme or the other that, yeah. you know, there's no kind of in between with me. Um, but I think there's so many pieces that really do give people confidence. There was a lady I did some work with a couple of years ago and her husband for Christmas had bought her a pair of knee high um, suede deep red boots Excellent. and Oh, they were incredible. And she'd open them on Christmas Day and she absolutely loved them, but she'd never worn them. Right. And this was like six, eight months later. She'd never worn these boots. And I was like, why aren't you wearing the boots? And she just said, I don't know. I just don't. I think everybody's going to look at me if I wear the boots. And I'm like, they are going to look at you because you're going to look fabulous. Mm. This is why people will look at you. And there's that phrase of, you know, people will stare, make it worth their while. I would rather people were staring at me because I looked fabulous rather than, you know, they were staring at me because I had my knickers tucked in my dress. People <laughs> yeah. will look at you. It's fine. It doesn't matter. What does it matter if somebody looks at you? Um, and so she, I gave her a challenge for the week that we were doing this styling, her, that she had to wear the boots 
on different occasions, yes, she could wear them out for dinner, but at some point she needed to just wear them in the day with a pair of jeans and just go about her daily life. And when I spoke to her afterwards, she said, oh my goodness, I can't believe the reaction that those boots had. Mm. She said, the first day I wore them, she said, I wore them with jeans and a nice little jacket. She said, and my husband walked in and his face lit up and he was just like, oh my God, you look amazing. (laughs) It was like, you look incredible. She had on clothes that she'd worn a million times before, but because she'd put these boots on, she felt different. She was stood different. He noticed. And then she was like, oh, actually, I can keep wearing these boots because every time I do, I'm getting complimented on them. Yeah. And sometimes I think it's, you know, just wear the things that you love, wear the things that you love, because how you feel in them is the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love my dungarees and I I wear them a lot. And people always say, I think that's kind of the most caroliest carol when I'm wearing dungarees or a stripy top. That's that's usually me. It's in my in my comfort zone, but I'm okay with being in my comfort zone and uh but I do like a dress but pockets does have to pockets doesn't it oh yeah yeah I love a dress with pockets I I just needed to hear that from a stylist because I mean I know that and all the women in the world know that but I was just checking (laughs) you see I love so there's two different reasons why women's clothing um didn't have pockets for a really long time historically uh didn't have pockets because our men were supposed to carry all the things that we needed. So we didn't need money and we didn't need to be carrying anything. Um, It was the men who would carry and pay things. So that's why women didn't have pockets. But the better reason Mm -hmm. is that women did originally have pockets back in the like middle ages or whatever, but they were taken away because they were worried that we were witches and we would keep our spells in them. Okay. So I will quite happily wander around now and think I should put some little spells of some sort, even if it's just like a glitter bomb in my pocket. (laughs) Right. I've got that magic to produce. (laughs) I'm going to put glitter bombs in my pockets from now on. That's a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just touching on it very quickly. I loved the off the hanger that when you were talking about um, Barbie core and uh, the lady with all the sparkles and the pink and uh, that that was my happy place. Very much so. It was good. (laughs) I think it's really interesting. One of the questions I ask in Off the Hanger is, what is the piece in your wardrobe that most sums you up? And I think for you, it obviously sounds like it's your dungarees. Yeah. Because you said they're the most carol is carol. For me, it's a green dress. Granted, there are a lot of them in my wardrobe. (laughs) I am a green dress. That is who I am every every time. You know, there's a running kind of joke now at uh, QVC where I present about the fact that if there's a green dress on the rail, I will wear it in the show because I'm obsessed with a green dress. (laughs) Interesting, because when it comes to talking about feelings, one of my memories of clothing is a green dress. But it was when I was about five or six and it was a green dress that didn't really fit me. And I had to have it pulled over my head. And my memories are of me going, Mom, it's not going to go. It's not going to go over this time. And every time, I mean, eventually I got it on, but it was always the green dress. And I remember it so clearly. I had all these lines of different color greens and browns and it did not go over my head properly. (laughs) You see, and I think, but I think that's a feel thing, isn't it? Absolutely. When things feel too restrictive. I have a thing with interior, with labels. I have to cut labels out of so many things because the labels make me crazy. I can feel them inside just rubbing on me. So I have to cut labels out of all sorts of things. Granted, I have to then try and remember what the washing instructions were on things. (laughs) There's been been a couple of dry clean only dresses that have ended up in the washing machine because I cut the labels out, but they survived. It's fine. Um, So, yeah, but the feel in and out of things and how it feels when it's on your body is equally as important as how it looks absolutely I remember um my friend's daughter had a real episode at school because her tights were too tighty yeah um, I think we all know how that feels <laughs> it was only kind of when I started working in styling and doing a lot of stuff with lingerie and hosiery, hosiery brands and things that um, I discovered that actually I'd been wearing the wrong size tights my entire life because I'd always just gone for a small pair because I thought, well, I'm quite small. So small pair, that's, that's fine. But yeah. it's to do with the leg length 
So I actually need to wear a medium or a large because I'm more legs than body. Well, there you I've go. There's women everywhere going, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> now I know what's wrong. <laughs> now I know why the people in the my knees. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, this has been an absolutely great conversation. Uh, we do two things before we finish. The first is um, we always put a challenge out to the listener. So I think our challenge today needs to be, what is it that makes you feel the best version of yourself? And get it on, put it on. If you can't put it on today because you're listening to it at nighttime, put it on tomorrow. And think about how it makes you feel. If you're brave, then you wear it outside, whatever you're doing. If you're not feeling so brave right now, just have a look in the mirror, see how it makes you feel. Um, and what what is it about it that makes you the best version of you? Emma, have you got anything to add to that? I think that's a fabulous challenge. I would say, remember when you do this, that nothing in fashion is permanent. So if you try something on, and you maybe just even just go to the shops in it just try leaving the house in it remember that nothing in fashion is permanent if you wear something and you do go out and spend the day in it and then you go actually I don't think that was right for me I felt uncomfortable all day then you don't have to wear that thing again you can always you know sell that thing or donate that thing to charity but you might really surprise yourself and come back and go actually I felt fabulous all day in that yeah that's brilliant thank you We get to the part of the show that always makes me feel a little bit strange and nervous because uh, I always do um, an on-the-spot poem for our guest, a little rhyme. Uh, And obviously we're going to do it about the word feel. So just give me a couple of seconds. Feel. This is real. It could be a pair of red suede heels. Put them on. How do you feel now? Has it changed you somehow? Go to your wardrobe. Touch. Is it too much or is it just right? Put it on. Have a look. Be proud of who you are. Clothing does not a person make, but it can take courage to be that person. Have a think, question why those feelings may appear. Take a moment just to hear your inner voice. You have the choice. They're your feelings. It's your body. So feel. There you go. That was fabulous that was very beautiful I loved it thank you Emma thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us today it's been fantastic um I think I might have to get in touch with you as a stylist (laughs) sitting here (laughs) in my big oversized jumper (laughs) I love that color I you know I red and white stripe I love it beautiful it's my where's Wally jumper is very good particularly for um book week at school (laughs) (laughs) Emma thank you again and um, take care have a lovely day see you soon so much for having me it's been a joy thank you bye-bye